Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hey everybody, glad to have you back for another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The coronavirus pandemic is affecting U.S. lamb exports. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. A look back at the 2020 South Texas cotton crop. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. We'll talk about getting closer to the finish line as far as harvest is concerned in West Texas. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. The coronavirus pandemic is taking its toll on U.S. lamb exports. According to the American Lamb Board, food service and tourism-dependent markets like the Caribbean, Middle East, Japan, Southeast Asia, and Taiwan were heavily impacted by COVID, decreasing demand in some markets for U.S. lamb. A bright spot in the export picture rests on opportunities in Japan and Taiwan. The Lamb Board said Japan has seen a retail surge because food service options were limited, and consumers opted to eat at home more often. In Taiwan, restaurants adapted by adding additional delivery services to their regular menus because more people were eating out instead of at home. Meat production hit a record high in October, according to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. 5.09 billion pounds of meat were produced in October. That is up slightly from October of 2019. Of that 5 billion pounds, 2.47 billion pounds of beef were produced. That's up 1% from October of 2019. 2.95 million head of cattle were harvested in the U.S. in October. That's down about 1% from the same time last year. The average live weight was 1,385 pounds, up 25 pounds from last year. U.S. farmers and ranchers have until December 11th to sign up for the second phase of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program at their local Farm Service Agency offices. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The South Texas cotton crop ended up great for some growers while it was a disaster for others. Tom Nicoletti has a recap of the 2020 South Texas cotton season. My guest from the Corpus Christi area today is Scott Stanislav. He is technical agronomist with DeKalb Asgro Delta Pine. He covers South Texas from the Coastal Bend all the way to the Rio Grande Valley. And Scott, we're talking cotton today. And let's get a uh, quick recap on the growing season for cotton farmers uh, in 2020. What did it look like for them? Yeah, 
so we got a pretty early start, I would say, on planting. A little bit earlier than normal, we were we were warm, uh, warmer than normal early on, and and dry as well. And so with with the amount of dry land acres that are all across South Texas here that I cover, uh, a lot of times we have to get the crop in when we can based off the moisture. And so we got the bulk of the crop planted probably a little bit earlier than than we normally would, and it remained dry for for a good bit of time. And we were fortunate for the most part in most areas to get some some good timely rainfall right when the crop was really going to start needing the bulk of the the moisture that it needs to make a decent crop. And so, you know, as as we go kind of recap from area to area, of course, the the Rio Grande Valley, most of that was affected by Hurricane Hannah and and very little of that cotton, unfortunately, was able to be picked this year. And as we move up to the coastal bend area of Texas, I would say it was overall, I would say, an above average crop for for a lot of folks. Um, Not to say there weren't some areas that were, were below, but we did have some very, very good cotton yields. Uh, coming out of the coastal bend this year. As we go to the upper Gulf Coast, I would say it was a above average year up there. Typically, a lot of times, the issue there is too much rainfall at once, and this year for all the crops in that area, we received good amounts of rainfall, not excessive amounts of rain for up in that area. As we talk about the, the Texas Winter Garden area out west of San Antonio, where they typically can grow some very high-yielding cotton crops under irrigation out there, I would say it was uh, average to slightly above average overall. Specifically, what performed well for farmers this year? Across the board, yet again, Delta Pine 1646 did very, very well across the, the area. Uh, that that obviously is a everyone's heard of that variety. If they haven't at least planted some of it, it's been a very strong variety for us from yield and from a yield and fiber quality standpoint for a number of years across a very broad geography. And, and I would say across the whole area that I cover, it definitely did very, very well. If we want to dial down specifics a little more, some other varieties that perform well, Delta Pine 1948 had a very strong year in the coastal bend and the Texas Winter Garden for that matter. That's a very high quality cotton variety that this year was kind of our first big year for growers to get uh, good quantities of that out on their farm and it definitely performed very well. As I go into the upper Gulf Coast, Delta Pine 1851 is a variety that we've kind of looked at for the past couple of years in plots, and we got a fair amount out of it on growers this year. That variety did perform very, very well, uh, albeit it wasn't necessarily one that was thought to be a fit for that certain geography there. It, it has performed very well, and I could see a fair amount of that being planted in the upper Gulf Coast next year. Those comments from Scott Stanislav. He is technical agronomist for South Texas with DeKalb Asgro Delta Pine. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Harvest is getting closer to the finish line in West Texas. Eddie Griffiths has more from the Lubbock area. As Thanksgiving Day gets closer, producers in West Texas are moving towards the finish line of finishing up this 2020 crop. Things have gone pretty fast here in West Texas with the exception of the ice storm that we suffered here a couple weeks ago. Producers have been able to get back in the field and get closer to finishing up this 2020 crop. Cotton gins are still running at full capacity right now, but it looks like for the most part, a lot of gins will be able to finish up the end of the year, be able to shut down those gins and gear up for another season in 2021. But again, for the most part in West Texas. Lack of moisture is probably the big concern, but we still need some crops to come out of the field before we see any moisture. But at this time, producers are able to run quite a few hours in the day with lower humidity and lack of moisture. So that has been good for harvest. But as far as the dry land wheat crop, we desperately need some moisture on that crop in order for it to survive. From West Texas, 
I'm Eddie Griffiths. Farm income has been increasing over the past four years, despite all of the trade wars and the effects of COVID-19. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue. The factual numbers show economically that farm income minus government payments has increased uh, 33% over the last four years. Purdue says 2020 is shaping up to be a very good year for farm income when you factor in COVID-19 aid and a spike in row crop prices. When you look at farm income, I was kind of surprised myself to see it literally bottomed in 16 and has risen each year, every every year since that period of time. In fact, in this, this crop year in 2020, which has been strange in a number of ways, it's predicted that uh, uh, it will be farm income will be above the 20 year average. Purdue made those comments at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting's annual meeting. It has been a very dry year in much of Texas, and that's something to keep in mind as you prepare to take your cow herd through the winter. Hemp Hill County AgriLife Extension agent Andy Holloway says one of the most important things you can do is to call out any unproductive cows. First of all, we're short of grass. We should have more grass than we normally do because we had a lack of rainfall to grow grass. So as it regards winterizing, we need to be sure that we've got the cows in place or anything that's growing. It could be steers or yearlings that you're just carrying through the winter to next spring that are sure enough good doers and they're sure enough cows need to be pregnant if they're spring calving cows. If they're fall calving cows, they sure need to have the right enough flesh condition as they lactate with their calves this time of year. So get rid of any inefficient cattle that are not doing well. That's one of the great things we can do to protect our country and ensure that as we go through the winter that we've got enough grass and forage. And another very important thing to remember in a dry year like this. Feed the proper amount of protein. Our grass is virtually empty right now. It doesn't have much protein. A cow requires protein in order to do her rumination that creates the energy that she needs in order to milk and maintain herself. So protein is a big deal, and I think we've had to start feeding a little earlier this year than we normally do just because we didn't have much grass. Hemp Hill County AgriLife Extension Agent Andy Holloway. Agriculture is better prepared to deal with the second wave of COVID now rolling across the nation, although an American Farm Bureau official says there are still unknowns. Andrew Walmsley says there are still big challenges ahead as consumer buying habits and supply chains shift once more amid the rising infections and renewed school and business closings. But Walmsley says after months of safety measures and tens of billions of dollars in virus aid, both farmers and process are better prepared for this next wave of COVID. We think and hope we're prepared from the lessons learned earlier this year, you know, through the supply chain to be better positioned to react. All of that's obviously an unknown and, and having, uh, you know, the assistance that's needed to keep keep folks fed and, and store shelves stocked. Uh, we, we hope Congress will be partners with us. Meanwhile, Walmsley says farmers have done what they always do, adapt. We've learned a lot. We've adapted over the last, what it was, seven or eight months. 
and, and farmers are making, you know, those decisions in this new world when they didn't have that opportunity before. I mean, our farmers have still been farming. I mean, we're still out there producing, working hard every day. It's, you know, I would once again point to the, the broader supply chain challenges that I think we've adapted to uh, and working with our partners in the supply chain to be better prepared. American Farm Bureau's Andrew Walmsley. More than 300,000 rainbow trout will be stocked in Texas waterways starting this week. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Placentitis in pregnant mares can cause serious problems. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at this problem coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Placentitis in pregnant mares can cause serious problems. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. Placentitis is an infection in the uterus that ascends from the vulva and passes through the cervix entering the placenta. Once the infection enters the placenta, abortion is likely unless the mare is treated. Several years ago, Dr. Michelle LeBlanc performed a study and induced an infection in 16 pony mares in the last trimester of pregnancy, and 14 of the 16 mares delivered dead or non-viable foals. Bacteria causes separation of the placenta from the uterus and causes fetal death or can actually infect the fetus and cause death and abortion. The only method to make you concerned about placentitis occurring in your mare is clinical signs. Typical clinical signs of placentitis are early udder development and a colored vulvar discharge that resembles pus. Although you may notice the premature mammary development, you may not notice the vulvar discharge unless you look really closely. And unfortunately, by the time you see these signs, the disease is well established and it may be too late to save the foal. Also, some mares can have severe placentitis and show no symptoms at all. As far as the diagnosis, ultrasound is probably the most accurate tool to use, as there is an increase in the thickness of the uterine wall and placenta with infection, and normal thickness has been established for different stages of gestation. So if you have a mare that has aborted in the past, and even if you're not sure of the cause, having an ultrasound performed on these mares every month after month six is a good idea. If the veterinarian feels the uteroplacental thickness is increased, the mare can be started on antibiotics, anti-inflammatories, and progesterone supplement, and sometimes save the foal. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. More than 300,000 rainbow trout will be stocked in Texas waterways starting this week. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. This week, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will begin stocking thousands of rainbow trout in dozens of ponds and rivers across Texas. The department stocks catchable-sized fish during the winter months to provide opportunities for Texas anglers. Carl Kittle, TPWD Rainbow Trout Program Director, said rainbow trout love cold water and can be caught on a variety of baits and lures. They can be caught using simple light tackle or on hand-tied flies using a fly rod. 
TPWD will stock more than 332,000 rainbow trout starting Wednesday and running through March 5th. They'll be stocked in city and county-managed park ponds, the Texas Freshwater Fisheries Center casting pond, and several rivers, including the Frio, South Llano, Guadalupe, and the Clear Fork of the Trinity River. 18 neighborhood fishing lakes and urban centers managed by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will also be stocked. And because tail racing fishing is so popular in trout season, TPWD will also stock the Canyon Trail Race on the Guadalupe River below Canyon Lake and the Possum Kingdom Tail Race on the Brazos River below Possum Kingdom Lake. TPWD says that because rainbow trout are unable to survive in Texas after the winter, anglers are encouraged to keep up to their daily bag limit of five trout. There are special limits in effect on parts of the Guadalupe River. Anglers are encouraged to check the 2021 trout stocking schedule on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website to confirm a stocking date before heading out. Again, the 2021 trout stocking schedule can be found on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. On the main page, scroll down to the headline that says, Now Stocking Trout. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, both cattle and cotton started the week with a bang on Monday. Sharply higher prices on both commodities. We'll take a closer look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup jim today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, we started Monday with a bang in both the cattle and cotton markets. Of course, it all started back on Friday with USDA's very bullish cattle on feed report. Placements coming in much lower than expected, and that gave the cattle market an excuse to kick off Monday with a bang. We closed with big triple-digit gains across the board in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle up $1.90 at $1.10 even. February up $2.25, $1.12.90. April live cattle up $2.10. 11655 even bigger gains in the feeder market January feeder cattle up 322 13782 March feeders up 290 13727 April feeder cattle up 280 closing at 13897 cash fed cattle market well it's going to be an odd week with Thanksgiving shortening the week so we actually saw some sales on Monday a few sales up in Nebraska steady money at 172 dressed we wrapped up last week selling cattle on a live basis at 110. No bids or asking prices reported so far here in Texas on fed cattle this week. Boxed beef prices mixed choice up 409, 24244, select down 45, 21453. 
Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We'll head to the Panhandle. Go way up north to Dalhart, Texas. Cattlemen's Livestock Auction selling 2,158 head this week. Steer calves under 700 pounds sold steady. The steers over 700 pounds were steady to $2 lower. Heifer calves under 600 pounds were steady. Those over 600 pounds weak to $2 lower. We'll look at medium and large frame number one feeder steers. Three to four hundred pounders brought a dollar 82 to 206 four to five weight steers a dollar 59 to a dollar 95 five to 600 pounders a dollar 40 to a dollar 71 six to seven weight steers a dollar 25 to a dollar 42 with seven to 800 pounders bringing a dollar 23 to a dollar 34 a pound I had a few eight to nine weight steers as well those brought a dollar 19 to a dollar 24. Slaughter cows, 28 to 52 cents. Slaughter bulls, 61 to 72 cents. And another Panhandle Auction barn selling late last week. Tulia Livestock Auction, Tulia, Texas, 1,910 head. Feeder steers and heifers, 2 to $8 lower. A few 3 to 400 pound steers that brought $1.64. Four to five weight steers, a dollar fifty-four to a dollar sixty-eight. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar thirty-four to a dollar fifty-six. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar twenty-one to a dollar thirty-eight a pound. Seven to eight weights brought a dollar twelve to a dollar thirty-one. With eight to nine hundred pound steers bringing a dollar five to a dollar thirty-one a pound. Now back over to the futures market. Lean Hogs put in a higher close on Monday, December up 82 cents, 64.95. February Hogs up a dollar 67, 67.12. December Class Three milk was down 30 cents, 15.68 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed sharply higher on Monday. Of course, all of our agricultural markets getting support from these continued COVID-19 vaccine announcements. That, of course, helping the cotton market. Also seeing some favorable factors on the charts. Technical factors looking good for the cotton market right now, as well as spillover support from higher grain markets. We close with March cotton up 84 points, 73.80. May cotton up 86 74.65. Grain markets closing slightly higher. December Kansas City wheat up a penny, 551 and a quarter. New crop July wheat up one and a quarter, 570 and three quarters. December corn up three and a quarter, 426 and a half. Energy markets higher. December natural gas up seven, 272. January crude oil up 57 cents, 42.99 a barrel. And the financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 319 points, 29,583. The NASDAQ up 28, 11,882. The S&P 500 up 19, 3,576. Well, that wraps up our markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll always be right here to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Be sure to check us out again tomorrow. I'll look for you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.